This is Sam Sports Podcast. It is also May 18th, 2016. This will be the second podcast that I dropped today. I recorded a big giant chunk about the NBA playoffs yesterday, which I was going to include in my radio show this Saturday, but uh, I had a fantastic interview with my brother Tom talking the Phillies, so I actually I'm just going to use Phillies talk. Um, and I also do all this pre-recording with my radio show, so lots of times I do pre-recorded stuff, and then by the time the show airs, it's no longer appropriate. Well, there was a lot of discussion about basketball that I did. Uh, you'll hear me, and which I just wanted to release today. I recorded it yesterday. Um, uh, only game one in game, uh, of each Western Conference, Eastern Conference finals had been played, so hopefully this is still going to be time-sensitive if I release it now. Uh, just, I'm going to make references to the fact that I recorded it, you know, early, because the, the hope was that I was going to drop that podcast, or that recording on Saturday morning with my radio show. Now I'm dropping it in real time, or almost real time now with my podcast, so it should be a little bit more appropriate. Uh, please excuse the references I make to being pre-recorded. Either way, I think it's some dynamite breakdown. You're going to get my two cents on what I think of the playoffs so far. And uh, I had to release it as a podcast. It's just juicy, juicy stuff. So thanks for listening. Here we go. We're going to jump right into me talking about the NBA playoffs. All right, let's step in for just a little bit of hardwood hoopla with your Philadelphia 76ers. Okay, so I'm just going to come right out and say it. Sixers have the number one pick in the draft. Yes, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you like that? Huh? 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 Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. The, 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 the suffering, the losses, the, the, uh, the terrible basketball. Oh, I don't know about you, but when I saw it happen, when I saw the number two thing pop open and they pulled out the Lakers thing, that was when I had that moment of just, yes. Oh, I verbally, you know, exclaimed. I did kind of had a half jump up from the couch. Wasn't a complete jump, but it was a half jump up from the couch. It just, oh, it was a good feeling. It was a really good feeling inside to see that happen, to see the, you know, what goes around comes around. And this one came around, and it came around just right for the Sixers. It felt good. It was right. Oh, it's so happy. I'm so happy right now. So good. Just feeling so positive. Um so I think they're going to take Ben Simmons. You know, definitely some discussion about Ben Simmons versus Brandon Ingram. Uh, I mean, how is it all going to work with the team? Is he going to be fitting in as well? You know, what is going to be that dynamic with he, with all of the players that you have there? So you you might see Embiid. You might see Saric coming, finally arriving on the team and finally playing meaningful minutes. Um you're going to have to see the chemistry of those guys mixing in with Okafor, mixing in with Noel. And then, you know, if they get Ben Simmons, you know, then you got to see Ben Simmons mixing into all that chemistry. Inevitably, somebody has got to get traded. Somebody's going to get moved. It's not going to be all of these guys at the end of the day. But, uh, you know, Brett Brown is going to have all of these assets going into next season. Um, to, let's see how it shakes out. But I mean, the, the exciting thing is they got it. They won. The, they got the pick. They got the number one pick. And you know, right now, this is when Sam Hinkie's name has to come back up. Okay. I'm going to bring it out there. I'm putting it out there. Sam Hinkie, Sam Hinkie, Sam Hinkie, Sam Hinkie. You've got to talk about some Sam Hinkie right now, because this was really, 
you know, kind of what the process was building to. This is, Brett Brown even said, you know, thank you so much to all the Philadelphia fans for going through this process with us. It's true, okay? This is what Sam Hinkie was working for. This is truly what – I'm not trying to, you know, beat a drum for Sam Hinkie. I'm not like the ultimate Sam Hinkie, you know, supporter or whatever. But I'm, I'm telling you, this was what they were going for, and they finally got it. It was just such a relief. I had a little mini hope that the Lakers would slip down to four and um, the Sixers would pick up that pick as well. I mean, that would be a real steal. But, uh, you know, listen, having the number one pick is enough for me. I'll take it. I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. I'm not going to be complaining. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the draft. Let's see how things actually shake out. Let's see who they decide to pick. Um, I mean, listen, even if it's Ben Simmons or Brandon Graham uh, or Brandon Ingram, you know, I'm I'm not feeling bad about either of them. I feel I feel positive. These are some good, talented young guys, and uh, you know, it's just it's putting the the organization in the best position to win, and that's that's all they've been working towards. You know, and it's been some awful, awful basketball, but I'm we're finally being granted this light at the end of the tunnel. So Brian Colangelo, get your uh, get yourself together. You know, get your bust out the Rolodex, bust out the phone numbers, start talking to people because you're finally in a position to put together a really competitive team. Uh, you know, under 500. You know, I'm gonna just say it like making the playoffs. I think they deserve to be making the playoffs. I think you know it's not a, a ridiculous expectation to say, hey, you know, this season can you make the playoffs for us? Can you at least get in there? I think uh, they've got enough draft picks and assets in their stable and a low enough salary. You know, I mean, the payroll for this team is so low. I mean, listen, I just, I want to see some, I want to see results. I want to see results. So, number one pick, very exciting. And other news for the Sixers, they also are the first team to sell a piece of their jersey for an advertising slot, StubHub. Um, looks like they didn't pay too much money, only like $15 million for a three-year deal to put their logo on the, uh, the Sixers jersey. You know, as we know, this is uh, the first year that the NBA has allowed teams to sell pieces of the jersey to advertisers. Um, you know, you know, this is something very common in Europe and some of the other, you know, countries of the world, other continents as well. You know, I do it in South America as well. Um, you know, they sell big pieces of the jersey to advertisers, and this has never really happened in the NBA. Um and uh, this year, the NBA has finally allowed it. And the first team to jump on board is the Sixers. I kind of think it's, you know, uh, I kind of think it's a little smart, you know, get out ahead of it. I mean, I, I never really want advertisements on the jerseys. That's not kind of my thing. I don't really like seeing that. But, you know, it's something that's going to happen whether we like it or not. I'm, I might as well accept it. I didn't, I didn't really like it when they brought in those jerseys that were T-shirts, which they're still using now. But, you know, it's... It's happening. I might as well just get used to it. You know, the players didn't really like it when they implemented the dress code, but it happened. Just get used to it. You know, you, sometimes you, you can't stop the machine. Um, so I, I kind of uh, I, I appreciate the Sixers for getting out ahead of it. Looks like it's not a particularly large logo. Doesn't seem to be dominating the jersey. In my opinion, that's, that's something that matters to me. I don't want something that's really dominating the face of what I'm looking at. You know, I don't want... 
you know, some of those soccer t- jerseys are just like an Adidas logo. And, you know, somewhere on it, it says the name of the team. And I don't even know what the name of the team is. It's like, you know, you see people wearing jerseys and they're really just T-shirts that say Adidas on them. I'm, I'm not, and by the way, Adidas is not sponsoring anything on this show. You know, I'm, I'm not getting paid. I'm just using an example. So you're welcome, um, Reebok. Let me throw out Reebok. Whatever. I'm moving on. Logos, they're going to be on the jerseys. I kind of like that the... You know, Sixers, because I, I saw a quick picture online, and it, it looks like the logo, the StubHub's not very big, it's kind of blue. Anyway, it's happening, and uh, it, it looks like the Sixers at least got ahead of it and, you know, got out in front, signed with, a, you know, an advertiser that's not, you know, FanDuel or some friggin' online gambling website. You, you notice those disappeared? They just really kind of vanished. You know, after uh, all of those legal action uh, came out in New York and a few other states, you know, all of a sudden, very quickly, those commercials just disappeared from, you know, every single sporting event we ever saw. All of a sudden, all of the, like, you know, stats and replays and highlights and graphics that were coming up in the middle of the game that were all sponsored by DraftKings and FanDuel, yeah, those logos just, uh, they just quickly disappeared. They disappeared. There's a couple of lingering advertisements that I've seen, clearly ones that, you know, went on as long as this. Like, I think there's a few basketball courts that have FanDuel on the, as the logo on the court. Like, maybe the Staples Center has that. I could be wrong. I'd be totally, you know, talking on my derriere on this one. But, uh, you know, it's, they disappeared real fast, and uh, I'm just I'm thankful for that. I don't need any more online gambling in my life. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I'm thankful that it's not an advertiser like that. You know, it's not like Bad News Bears with Chico's Bail Bonds doing advertisements on your on your Philadelphia 76ers jersey. Um, okay, so that's a, that's a bit of my rant on, uh, on the Sixers. Congratulations again for getting the number one pick in the NBA Draft Lottery. I'm thinking they're going to get Ben Simmons, but, you know, who am I? Just somebody on the radio talking about this stuff. Let's move on to some real nitty-gritty stuff with the NBA. Let's talk a little bit about the conference finals. So, now, as some of you know, you may not know, I do some of my recording uh, uh, pre-record, so this is actually in the past. It's not Saturday right now when I'm recording this. It's actually uh, Tuesday night, um, but the way they schedule these friggin' conference finals games, they space them out so many days, they really try to drag out all the TV ratings. So, uh, you know, I know by Saturday morning, there's only been a couple of, uh, at least game one and two of both East and West have aired, um, and I've already seen game one of both series. So I saw the upset by the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I saw the blowout by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, let's just jump into this series. I'm going to give you formal breakdowns and predictions right now. Um, let's get to the one that's probably less exciting and less fun, the Eastern Conference Finals between Cleveland Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors. Toronto, after two seven-game series, getting to their first conference finals in franchise history, I think they are a little overworked and not ready for prime time. They're a great team. They deserve to be here. Kyle Lowry has really stepped it up in the last couple of games. DeMar DeRozan, I think, has been the rock throughout this entire playoff run for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Jonas uh, Jonas Valachunas has been amazing. It's just sad that he's hurt right now. You know, the Raptors really had to work themselves up and uh, drag themselves out of that second round seven-game series against the um, 
against the uh, the Miami Heat um, after you know Miami because this is really you know these were two you know knock them out drag them out teams Miami and Toronto both had gone through seven game series to meet and get a seven game series um, you know but you know, Toronto is they're they're beat up. They've played so many more games than Cleveland at this point, uh, and you know they're they're a bit outmatched. Um, so with Cleveland, you know they're on a complete fantastic run right now. You got LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. Everybody's clicking on all cylinders. They're hitting threes like it's going out of style. Um, they've they haven't lost a single game in the playoffs. They're eight and zero. They had an eight day rest between the end of their series against um, uh, the Atlanta Hawks and then uh, be- with the beginning of their conference finals against the Raptors. I mean, they're just outmatched. I mean, the first quarter of this first game, you actually saw the two teams, you know, you know, it, it, Toronto kept it close. They were hustling. They were keeping it in it. But then by the second quarter, LeBron James, I mean, it was crazy. He, he shot something like 90% from the field. I think he might have finished – he might have only missed one shot on the evening, and everybody was stroking it. Channing Fry, J.R. Smith, Della Vadova, I mean, the ball movements, they just started blowing out the Raptors by 20, and it really got, you know, it just, it sort of showed you how far apart um, the the Cleveland team is from all the other Eastern Conference teams, because this is the same Toronto Raptor team that finished one game behind the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference standings. This is the same Toronto Raptor team that has also gone through two seven-game series to get here. They're just, you know, it's it's great. I'm glad for them. I think they've got a lot to show. You know, Patrick Patterson. There's a lot of sort of unsung heroes on this Toronto Raptor team. You know. Um, Patrick Patterson, Corey Joseph has really uh, played a lot of meaningful minutes, really been a standout. Bismack Biombo, yo, Bismack Biombo. If you want to talk about a passionate guy, someone who's really stepping up, really making a difference, um, especially with Valachunas going down, Bismack Biombo, you know, a bit of a forgotten post player who was, uh, I mean, he was on the Charlotte Bobcats for a bit, um, kind of being rejuvenated with Toronto. You know, they still got Scola. Um, they still and they got a few of these younger guys like I think it's uh, Nathan Powell, you know, really playing some great minutes, um, you know, which really helped them get through these first two rounds. You know, it made a big difference when they got out of that first round, when they were able to beat Indiana in game seven, you know, then, you know, then it was a bit of a rock'em sock'em with Miami. And these were and both of those series, they lost game one. Um, so, you know, they're definitely not a team anymore that can be, you know, labeled a pushover. They they are someone who has found ways to kind of, you know, grind out wins. They found a way to, you know, winning game sevens, you know, really kind of, they test your mettle and they, they build you up. They make you this, this tenacious championship player. Like that's that, that's where you get swagger from. You get swagger from going into these big games, you know, stepping up large, hitting some big shots and, and coming out with that win. And, you know, Dwayne Wade had that swagger in, you know, against the Raptors, but it just wasn't his year. He's a little older, missed a few more shots and had less of a supporting cast. And, you know, Toronto's got more of it going for them. Right now, it's clicking just the right way. But they are, I mean, I don't want to say that they're hitting a Goliath with Cleveland. They're really kind of hitting a brick wall with Cleveland. I mean, LeBron James is playing absolutely out of his mind. I still think he, you know, probably should have been more of a contender for, for MVP. You know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the Steph Curry unanimous MVP stuff, but I'm also... 
you know, hearing and seeing LeBron kind of take digs at Steph Curry and sort of dig, you know, be like, yeah, is he really the MVP? I mean, I can, I can understand because let me tell you something. You take LeBron off the Cleveland Cavaliers, that team is not getting to the conference finals. Uh, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Love, you know, that whole team, everything, LeBron is the glue. You can't get around that. He's the king. This is the sixth straight year he's been in the conference finals, and it's probably going to be the sixth straight year that he goes to the NBA finals. It's a freak of nature. It's just amazing, and I love watching him. He had a few few King James moments in the, in the game, you know, a couple of dunks. I mean, it was really just it – was, it was a little – I don't want to say it was tough to watch, but just Toronto looked – like they they looked tired, they looked exhausted from a couple of long series, and Cleveland just ran ran them right off the floor. Um, I'm I'm kind of predicting. I think Toronto's going to win a game. I think they'll at least come out with a game. I'm predicting that uh, Cleveland will win in five games. Um, definitely going to the NBA Finals all over again. It's going to be uh, it's going to be LeBron back there. Um, so let's shift to the Western Conference Finals. Let's talk a little bit about the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, r- right off the bat, Golden State is favored. Yes, they are favored. I certainly think they're going to win. Um, my initial pick was Golden State in six games. Um, I think I'm going to stick with Golden State in six games. You know, I've talked Golden State to death. You've already heard everything about them. You know the drama at this point. You know Steph Curry's knee. How healthy is it? How healthy is he? How good is he feeling? You know, he was rusty when he came back, but, you know, he was rusty for two, three quarters and then, you know, scored 40 points and, uh, you know, most of that in overtime. Like, he, it didn't take him long to come back and start being dangerous. And that stroke of his hasn't gone anywhere. He was still hitting three-pointers even in game one against the Thunder. And, you know, Draymond is being physical. However, 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 the Oklahoma City Thunder, the team that no one was talking about all season. Who were we talking about? We were talking about the Warriors winning 73 games, talking about the Spurs going in 40 and 1 at home. Tim Duncan is immortal, blah, 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 blah. Talking about David Blatt getting fired. Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron. Yeah, yeah. The team we weren't talking about is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook, for the first time since 2012 when they went to the NBA Finals, they're healthy, and they've got a pretty solid team. We were also skeptical of Billy Donovan as the coach. You know, they'd really made some mistakes over the course of the season, had a lot of fourth-quarter meltdowns, really embarrassing play, but now everything is falling into place. Durant and Westbrook are doing what they do, and they're doing it well. They're getting physical, and and they're playing physical teams, okay? San Antonio, you know, uh, Golden State, these guys are getting up in their face, but I tell you, Durant and Westbrook are two of the top five players in the game, okay? Kevin Durant, MVP. Russell Westbrook, triple-double machine. These guys are ferocious, okay? And when you put the guy, when you put these guys on the floor, now you've got a couple other key components that are really working for the Thunder. So Serge Ibaka, you know, I've heard some good commentary. Uh, I was listening to uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, The Low Post. He's talking with Jeff Van Gundy, and he specifically was talking about how Jeff Van Gundy was saying Serge Ibaka's play has kind of been marginalized this year. He really, you know, wasn't at the tier 
that he had been at in past seasons. And I think it was true. I think to some degree, Billy Donovan might have struggled a little bit to figure out exactly how to utilize Ibaka to his strengths the most. Um, But... All of that being said, I think Abaka's play has really come on in the playoffs. He's certainly finding a better place. Um, you know, he's better defensively. He's finding his shot more. But I think the really, you know, unsung hero here who's becoming more sung is Stephen Adams, the uh, the New Zealand Kiwi Australian guy, the big guy with the, the mustache and this long sort of, you know, scraggly dark hair who is an absolute force um, down low. You know, the, he is the, the starting center now for uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's really come on strong this season. Not only is he a defensive, you know, rebounding a um, machine, but he's also an offensive threat now. He's got a nice touch, you know, great little, you know, kiss off the glass, you know, layups. You know, he's really been a, um, you know, him coming on this season has been a big find and a big sort of growth piece for the, uh, uh, you know, for the Thunder this year. And then you, you put in Andre Robertson's, um, defense. And now you've kind of got a nice little, you got a nice formation going with the team. The other guys in the rotation, you bring Dion Waiters in, you bring Ennis Cantor in. Dion Waiters has, you know, I think he's been, Dion Waiters has probably found his best position and his best fit with a team than we've ever had with him. He's really been kind of a lost cause with Cleveland. And there was a pretty good feeling that he was a lost cause here with Oklahoma City. But, you know, as this nice sixth man, you know, defensive player who comes in, brings a little scoring. He's finding a home here in the rotation with this Oklahoma City Thunder team. And he played some great minutes in game one against the Warriors. And as Cantor, you know, we've already known what Ennis Cantor can bring from an offensive standpoint for the Thunder, but, you know, now we're finally seeing some potential come out of his defensive ability. And when you get him you know, kind of a Twin Towers little, you know, he and Steven Adams in the game, or maybe even Ibaka, um, it could be pretty powerful as a, as a defensive presence down low. And what you're seeing is what shocked everybody with game one was the Warriors losing and uh, seeing it slip away in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was a real sense of defense cranking up for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They cranked the defense up. They slowed down the Warriors, slowed down the scoring, sort of brought them back down to earth. It was really kind of this you know, amazing stance for them. And then, you know, Westbrook and Durant scored in the end when they really needed to. Um, that being said, I'm still going with the Warriors. I still got to give it up. I, I, I'm, I, I can't lose faith in them just yet. I still got faith that they're going to pull it out. They're going to do something amazing. And, you know, that's, that's where my money is inevitably. So, um, Warriors in six and then, and then, uh, NBA finals, Cavaliers, Warriors all over again. Ooh, you know, right now I'm going to have to say Golden State Warriors in six games again, but. I got a feeling I might be changing my tune if I keep seeing LeBron do what LeBron is doing. I think there's a good, I might have a sense that I, you know, I might be going back on my words. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, the beauty part about uh, seeing, you know, this is why, we, hashtag, this is why we play. <laughs> all right, that's all we have for this podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to talk some more b-ball. In the meantime, bye-bye.